Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. Uh, we are in the, uh, the Greatest Commandment series. Last week, if you missed last week, last week was special, right? Wasn't last week special? It was truly unique. Uh, I haven't, in, in, in my whole time of being the pastor here, there's never been a moment where uh, I didn't kind of like, we're, 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 in the way that, that, that it shifted, God just shifted the way our worship was. And it was bringing us back to the heart, to the initial place. and Because that's what we were talking about. We were talking about love the Lord your God with all your heart. And when we love the Lord your God with all your heart, the heart is in the Greek, it's uh, laba, I'm sorry, it's cardia, which means your inner being. In the, uh, in the Hebrew, it is labab, which also means your inner being. They're the same term, even though it's Greek and Hebrew. And when Jesus was talking here in uh, Mark 12 or Matthew 22, uh, or I believe it's Luke 10, the other one. Um, when he's talking there, he's talking about loving the Lord your God with all your heart. He's actually referencing back to Deuteronomy and the significance of Deuteronomy uh, 6.5 and also 6.4. So that's a little bit of background, but we're in this series and I want to encourage you, dive into this series. Do not miss a Sunday because this is the very, in, in order to, to kind of know the genesis of who you are and what Jesus is saying here, it's imperative that you come and you listen to these collections of talks because what they will do is they will set you up to live a life on purpose and a life that will make a difference in this community and in your family because we have a lot of soul thirst that happens in our community, I'd probably say. Let's just take the mask off and be real. We have a lot of thirsty souls out there. And you know what? There's a lot of thirsty souls that are in here too. And we don't know how to get healed. We don't know how to get full. We don't know how that will take place. And so we read the scripture and we go, oh, that's a great practical idea, or that's a great concept, but how do I live it out? And so today I plan on helping you learn to live this out in a new way. Amen? Amen. So here in Mark 12, last week I preached out of Matthew 22. There's something called synoptic gospels. There's four writers, or three writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are synoptic. They, they basically share some ideas and some concepts. I'm going really into the Bible here today. And then John, John speaks in a different way. And so um, basically last week I preached the parallel out of Matthew 22. This week I'm preaching out of Mark 12, um, which I think it's, it's great. It's the same story. Um, and Mark takes a little bit out, but it's really valuable. Uh, if you look at this, Jesus was actually in the uh, temple courts and his authority was in question. And so Jesus' response when his authority was in question was he replied with a parable. Parable is a short story. It's a way to encourage uh, and, and kind of give people teaching. And so uh, from then, they asked him a couple questions. They said, uh, it asked him about taxes and then they asked him about marriage at the resurrection. Well, Jesus answered all of them correctly. And then what does he do? They, they go and these guys, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day are trying to trap him. And so we're going to pick up in Matthew 12, 28. It will also be on your screens. It says, one of the teachers of the law came up and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Okay, that's a pretty bold question, right? 
I think questions are good because they, they go and they can give uh, statements and what you can do is they can invite responses. And so I love this, what Jesus replies here. He says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Then verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no one commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher. So Jesus just said that based upon uh, Deuteronomy 6 and also uh, Leviticus 19 love with, in regards to strength. And so he said, well said, teacher. The man replied, you're right. And I'm saying that God is the one or God is one and there is no one but him to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than burnt offerings or sacrifices. What he's saying is he's saying loving God is, is greater than the works that I do around me. Loving God is greater than loving on somebody. Loving God is the essence because without loving him first, that is in vain of loving somebody else. And so that's what he's saying. And then when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask any more questions. Today, I love that. Today, the title of my message is, How's Your Soul? Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Last week, we talked about heart. This week, we're talking about soul. How's your soul? And I'm going to get up in your business today, so you all just better be prepared for it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And I believe that transformation is going to happen at the conclusion of this worship experience. But let's pray. Ask God to help us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I pray that this message opens hearts, opens ears, opens eyes. God, however far it reaches on any uh, person in here, let their ears be attentive to your spirit and what you want to do uh, in our souls today. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's say hi to our Facebook family before we continue on. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. Facebook, thank you for joining us. We're grateful that you're here. Um, how many love to travel? Be honest. Okay, almost every hand is up when I say that you love to travel. Um, I, uh, and as I've grown older, I don't really like to travel. I, 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 I've come to the conclusion that I just don't travel well. One, I don't like turbulence. Who does? I mean, I, I have some pretty faith-filled prayers when there's some turbulence going on, let me tell you. But, I mean, serious, there's been some times where those planes have dropped and I have gone straight up into prayer, like on my knees, like ready to go, thinking I'm going to meet my maker. Anyways, uh, but um, I, 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 I haven't really liked to travel recently. I like to, you know, drive places. It's not a fear thing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, my son loves to travel. My son loves to go and pack his bag, and he loves to get in the car at ungodly hours to get to a place, and then he goes through TSA security, and he's so happy to go through security. Who's happy to go through security? I mean, let's be honest, people. And so they're navigating through, and you get, you get through, and you get to your gate. Carter loves just watching the planes. He'll sit there for two hours. He's like the greatest traveler. He gets on the Plane. He doesn't, you know, there's a lot of things that he doesn't do like really patiently, if you know my son. Uh, he's on the autism spectrum, so he is a go getter all the time. And on an airplane, he is the most still calm individual I've ever seen. But he looks out the window, he loves traveling. I loathe traveling. You know what? I like arriving. I love arriving. I don't like to travel. I love arriving. Don't you wish that when you travel, like, far distances that you could just go, 
I'm there. Don't you wish like, like time travel or not even time travel, but just like you can teleport me to the place that I want to go so that I don't have to endure 16 hours to go to Europe or someplace like that because I just don't like to travel. You know, but traveling's a process. It's a process from point A to point B. And the process is brutal. It's horrible. It is so brutal. It's so brutal because you're being herded into a cylinder in the sky with hundreds of other individuals, and you don't know the germs that are in there, and it's kind of awkward. Let's just be honest. Is it, am I just, is it just me? But you know what? I, I still love arriving at places. You know, I love arriving when I'm going to a destination. I love to fly, and I love to get there, and I love to arrive because I know I'm there. And one of my favorite places to arrive is at home. Yeah, it's at home, you know, because Dorothy wasn't kidding when she said, there's no place like home, right? There's no place, and, and, and you know home, you know what home's like, your home, you have uh, a home, you know where that place is, and your smells are there, uh, your, your, your things are there, your family is there, your shower, your bathroom, your toilet, Let's just be honest, your toilet's there. And I know that the hair that's in the sink is probably just mine. It's not somebody else's from a hotel, right? So, I mean, and then at home, you have something called drop spots. You know, it's where you drop your keys. It's where you drop your backpack. It's where you drop your purse. It's where you drop your cell phone. It's where you drop things. You don't put the, you don't put, I mean, maybe you do. Maybe your drop spot for your groceries is on your couch. But you have drop spots that you put places, right? And, and, and I think that, that, that really these drop spots are make us home. And, and there's something special about being home. I love being at home. I like to be other places, but there's no place like being at home, being with my family, being with the people that I love the most. And, and this place is home. San Diego's home, but this church is home. If this is your first time, I do want to say welcome home. You're home. And as I was pondering this message and I was thinking about our home, my physical body has a home, correct? I go to my house, I have a bedroom, I sleep in my bed, I go, I have a kitchen, whether it's extravagant or whether it's minimal, whether it, you have tons of square footage or you have no square footage and it's just one tiny room, that is your place, your home. And so what I had this thought is, is does our souls have a home? Does your soul have a home? Does it have a place where it can go? to get healthy because this week, Katie, as you can see up here, she's coughing. And I love that, that she perseveres, even though that she's uh, not feeling well, she keeps going. Some of us can learn from that where we can learn about some perseverance when times get rough to keep on going. If you don't feel good, keep on going. But one thing Katie had to do this week that she, I don't recall you doing this in a long time, but what she had to do was she had to get healthy. And so what did she do to get healthy? She went home. She went to our bed and she laid in our bed for a full day. My wife is a go-getter, people. And to get her bedridden in a day, I mean, she's sick and she's reading. Who does that? That's how much she's a go-getter. I can't even think. I'm like the world's, you know, like, oh, I'm just, you know, like, I, I over, I'm a guy. I over-dramatize everything when it comes to sickness, you know. <laughs> Fellas, come on, you're with me. But, but she goes and she just, she, she had to go home to get healthy. And you have to sometimes go home to get healthy. And so your soul has to go home to get healthy. Third John states, states it like this, dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health. And that all may go well with you, even as your soul is, along, is getting along well. Friends, you could have millions in the bank. You could have more followers on Instagram than Justin Bieber. You could have a Ferrari in your driveway. But your soul still might not be happy. 
Because the very essence of your soul is the very essence of who God is in your life. And what we do is we try to measure our up to the world's standards and what the world thinks and what, what you know, the, trying to keep up with the Joneses. And what happens is our soul then longs and thirsts for something else. It longs and thirsts for something greater. And I, I just want to ask you the question, does your soul have a home? Does your soul have a home? And the thing is, is I don't think any of us, to be perfectly honest, I don't think any one of us can claim to have it all together. Right? Like we're just broken people serving a perfect God. And every single monumental moment along the way, we're just saying, God, take the wheel at times. You know, it wasn't Carrie Underwood that brought that to life. That's just real life. That's saying, God, you need to take control. And we just need to step back. And I think Jeremiah probably, I would think, even though he had some lament, uh, he, he says it here in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And so that's hardly encouraging. Get honest as we face fears and as we face facts and as we face really the, the deep down inside things that we sometimes bury and we don't even know how to address because they're so deep down. And if we don't have it all together, all of us, I'm just going to say it. I'll just be honest. I don't have it all together. If you do, come and give me your formula because I want to know how you get it all together. There are times where we have greater days and times where we have better days and times where we have seasons of victory, but there are also times where we have seasons of defeat. And, and, and even in our own heart, it's, it's kind of skewed, to be perfectly honest. It's not right. And that's why we need Jesus in our life. And so one thing I, I like, though, is, is one verse later, Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. So we, we, in other words, we can't always figure ourselves out, but we know who can figure us out, and that is God Almighty. And so many times we wonder what we're trying to do or how we're getting to a certain point in our life to let our soul be satisfied. And I would venture to say that, that this right here in this atmosphere right now is where our soul is most satisfied. It's where there's power and it's where there's Holy Spirit victory in this house. And so when Jesus is saying in Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. If you don't know how to do, if you don't, if your soul's not healthy, you're probably not going to love the Lord your God as well as, as well as you should be. And so I'm here to set up and paint the idea about how to love the Lord your God and really to let your soul be at rest because so oftentimes our souls are in rest and it's produced on the outside of what's happening on the inside. Wow, it's so quiet. And you know when it's so quiet, it's when the preacher's preaching good. Oftentimes, what we do is we look around to fill our thirsty soul. We look around to Instagram. We look around to Facebook. We look around that people will approve us. You know what? Studies have been shown that your cell phone is, when, it's, when, when someone likes something on your feed, it sends pathways and things inside your own body that, that it's like hearing the slot machines in Vegas. That's what it does to somebody. That, that like button, it just triggers something inside of us and we have to, you know, we feel it more. And we're, 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 so we're living in a thirsty generation that's trying to feed our souls off of social media. And you can't feed your soul off of social media. You can't feed your soul from your spouse. I'm sorry. Can't happen. I'm just preaching it. 
You can't pre, you, you, you literally can't feed your soul from your friends. You can't feed your soul from a bottle. You can't feed your soul for approval. You can't feed your soul for success. The only way that you can feed your soul is by God Almighty. That's the only single way. And I, I recently, I've been convicted of this. I've actually pulled off of social media. So I, I post only about the church, and I've just pulled back. Because I want my soul to be healthy. More than I care about a like on an Instagram picture about my children. And I love my children, but I'm pulling back because what I realized is that screen that was in front of me was distracting me from my kids that were around me. Did you know screen time is the number one, number one addiction on the planet? It's no longer pornography because they're looking at the screen for the pornography. Number two, it's not about alcohol or drugs. It's about that screen. And what we're doing is we're filling our thirsty souls by social media. And what it does is it leaves us empty inside. Jesus said in Mark 8, 36 and 37, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So I ask this question again. How's your soul? How is your soul? Because most of who we are is on the essence is on the inside. And if our soul is not healthy on the inside, we're not going to produce really what we're capable of on the outside. And let me present this idea to you, okay? We're going to go back to the Genesis, the beginning of time, okay? Are you with me? Are you taking notes? Because this is good stuff. Good. I see you read. Taking notes on his cell phone, on a screen. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> It's good. I just would hate for that to die, and he doesn't have a way to take notes. Anyways, I'm kidding. You can have mine. I'll give you mine when they're done. Anyways, uh, but Genesis 2-7. It's on the screens. It says, then Jesus formed man. Lips, hips, and fingertips. He formed man right there. From the dust of the ground and, the breath, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You see, Adam did not become a living creature until the breath of God came into his nostrils. And so I would venture to say that, that, that he was a physical form, but his, he was empty inside till God breathed and made that transaction to give him transformation. Okay? My dad passed away about 11 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago. It's really hard still now that I just, it just emotions sometimes hit you. And I just thought about it. And anyways, we'll move on from that. But my dad, when he was, when he passed away, he passed away in February of 2007. I believe it was 2008. And um, what happened was, is, is I visited him that day and I was driving home and I felt like he had the best day of his life. Like, like he was, he, he had this this needle that went through his collarbone in, that was touching his heart to, to, to go and kind of give rhythm. And he was very uncomfortable. And so they removed that because they were preparing him for heart surgery. And I literally uh, sat at my dad's feet that whole day. Uh, my dad, that was one of the first times he sat in a chair and, uh, instead of the hospital bed. And I sat at his feet. And Katie, oddly enough, was, was, uh, wasn't feeling well. And so she couldn't go up there. Um, but I got a phone call from my, or from my brother. My brother's six years older. I got a phone call from my brother that my dad passed. And he said, go pick up mom and get to the hospital. So that's what we did. And we put on praise and worship music because I didn't know what else to do in that circumstance. Because when life comes at you quick, you got to know what to run to. Amen. And so I put on praise and worship. My mom is weeping. Her best friend, her confidant, the person that she loves the most is now gone. 
And we drive up to University of Washington, and I get out, and oddly enough, it's where my dad had some of his greatest successes, was also this, the place that my dad laid to rest. And at the University of Washington, my dad coached football. And we go, and we walk in there, and Kate, I, I park the car, and we run upstairs. And as we run upstairs, uh, they said, do you want to see him? And I'm like, serious? I can see him? And I only went in there two times because, I, one, I was broken. I didn't want to see uh, my hero uh, not alive. And so I went running in there, and I saw him laying there on a bed. And I can't fathom the idea that that was even my father. Because there was something not there. There was something that just was not, he was cold. His physical form was there, but his, his life was not there. Because the breath was gone out of his lungs. And friends, we're living on the borrowed breath of God. That every time we breathe, we take a breath in. That's the borrowed breath of God. Because God took Adam and he formed him physically. And then he went and breathed life into him. And some of us need to have some life breathed into us again. Because we've been walking around here, there, everywhere like a corpse. Like a, a person that doesn't know what to do. And our soul is so thirsty. And we need to get into that moment of where God says, I'm enough for you. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Look to me for your strength. Because that's where you have life and life abundantly. And so we can't be truly alive until we have the breath of God in our lungs. And if you don't believe, if you don't believe at all, okay, you're breathing still on the borrowed breath of God, okay? He's just that gracious enough to us, and he loves us that much, and he's still pursuing you every deep breath you take. And I think of, uh, of, of childbirth, you know, the old school time when they get the baby to breathe, you hit them in the butt, you know, you'd spank them and so that they would breathe. Well, nowadays they don't do that because everyone's PC, you know, and so they, they go and they have to clean out the mouth, you know, they didn't spank either one of our kids. But, but what happens is in order for them to have life, they have to have breath. And so you have to go and have to go through some circumstances so that you can get your life back, so that you can get the breath in your lungs. And, and, and I believe that, that we're living completely on the borrowed breath of God. Psalm 103 Look at, look at this here. Psalm 103.1 in the King James. We're going old school. It said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that it was within me. Bless His holy name. This, the word soul there, you want to know what it means? Breath. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Breath. The very breath. The very essence. And we know that God is where our soul can be healed. Is where our soul can be at home. Yet why do we walk around this world and we miss Sundays and we, and we miss going to connect group and we miss an opportunity to let our souls get healthy? Why do we do that? Why, why, why do I do that too? It's not just, I'm not saying this to you. I'm taking the mask off myself and I'm saying, why are there days that I try to avoid things that I should actually be running to? Because that's where my soul will be at home. That's where my soul will be at rest. But many of us are letting our souls rest in other places. And they actually should be right here at home. Right here at home. And how do we heal our soul and live our best life? We send our soul home. When Katie was sick, I told her. I literally commanded her. I said, put your phone down. Not because I'm that type of husband. <laughs> okay, don't get me wrong. I'm like, put your phone down. You are going to rest. Because I know her personality and she won't rest. And I'm like, you need to rest because you need to get healthy. 
And some of you, I'm saying this right now to you, you need to get rest. You need to get healthy. You need to sit in church every single week to get your soul healthy, to get your soul ready, to get your soul there. We have to send our soul home. And you know how you do that. The very nature of it is if we're living on the borrowed breath of God, and when we praise God, there's a collision that happens in the atmosphere that when you're, that, that's the moment where your soul is at home. It's where your soul is at home. I, I, as a pastor, I see people wandering around oftentimes, and they're trying, they're, you know, everyone has to come to me and they go, the reason I wasn't at church was, you know, they give me that, you know, like that's just what happens, you know, because that's what people, they, they want to feel, the, you know, that's just the way pastoring works. And so they tell me why they're not at church. And I know what's going on on the outside, but I also know what's going on on the inside. It's when I've seen people miss church regularly. And what happens is they, they're running from the very essence of what can find healing in their life. They go everywhere. They stay busy. How many busy people do we have in the atmosphere? Let's just be honest. Okay. We, what we do in our society is we run and we try to stay busy because we don't want to address the very thing that's inside of us that we need to address. And so we try to get more busy and we try to fill ourselves with movies and television. And, and I'm not against those things. Don't get me wrong. But if our soul is, un, is at unrest, why are we running everywhere trying to fill it? Why are we trying to get validation from our children, validation from our, from our job when the Bible is filled with all of it? It's saying, I approve of you. And the greatest time you will find your soul to be at rest is here at a worship experience, at a connect group, in your car, worshiping Jesus. Let me tell you, friends, I have seen it time and time again where people run from God or they run from church and then they come to church and the moment the worship song hits, what happens? Waterworks. Because their soul's at home. Their soul is at home. There's power in that. Now let me throw, add this on here. Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has a soul praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Think about powerful statements like this. Just think about it. God, you're awesome. God, you're awesome. That's on borrowed breath, guys. I love you, Jesus. Borrowed breath. And what's happening is my soul finds hope and my soul finds healing when I actually say that. We can let worship, our own worship, come to a point of a lack of healing because all we're doing is repeating words that we know rather than letting that be a, thirst, a quenching of your soul. So today when I was worshiping, I was singing a song. And I'm singing here again, and I'm singing it with different passion. Why? Because my soul is at home. It's right here. When you say, God, I love you, there's power in that. You're using the, God, you're using the borrowed breath of God and shaping it into adoration and praise to the one who gave you breath in the first, in the first place. Because you are home. And that's why we say all the time from this platform, welcome home. Welcome home. If you don't have a home, welcome home. You're at home. This is, this is haven. This is health. This is healing. 
That's why we say at Connect Group, go to a Connect Group because you can take the mask off and you can bear your soul. We don't ask you on the first time, okay? Let's just be real. That could be awkward. Hey, bear your soul. That's weird. You know, I mean, like, let's just be perfectly honest. You start slowly but surely. But what happens is, is, is one thing I've le- learned is that when I'm willing to take the mask off the first time and I'm willing to expose some things that are inside of me, the next time it becomes easier and easier and easier. And I'm not saying you blast everybody on Facebook with your issues. What I'm saying is what you need to do is you need to take the mask off from time to time so you can get healthy so that your soul can find rest. I'm going to close with this story. And it's a story found in the Bible. I think it's pretty important that we close with this story. And the worship team is going to join me. It's in Luke 10, 38 through 42. And I want to paint the picture here. Picture you're in a living room. You're hanging out. Jesus is sitting there. What a cool opportunity, right? I guess I'm the only one. Jeez, that was really awkward. (laughs) You wouldn't want to sit with Jesus? Oh, my word. I would love to sit with Jesus. And so here Jesus is. He's sitting with Mary, or he's sitting with Mary, and he's in this room, this living room setting. And I love sitting in a living room. I love my living room. I love sitting there. It's good. It's fun. It's it's amazing. And as as, as Jesus is sitting there, couldn't you imagine him telling stories, talking? I'm sure he's cutting jokes up. And I'm sure, like, you know, he had his sandals off. And it was just one of those real chill times. And, you know, uh, then you have Martha. Martha is the doer. She's the type A. She is go-getter, do, 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 go, go. She probably paid the bills. She probably made the most money in the house. She was doing. She was doing in this story. And then you have Mary, and I love Mary. And what does Mary do? She's just sitting there. She's like the creative, you know, like she's like the free, the free spirit. She's just kind of doing whatever. And what she does is she just sits there at Jesus' feet. And here, the, here this scenario and this situation arises. And if you put yourself in that situation, you're either one or the other. You're either the type A, going, 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 or you're like Mary and you're kind of the creative. But let me read this passage of Scripture. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations. That's, that'll preach right there. By all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, I love what she does. She does the whole roundabout thing. You ever, you know, like it's, it's like the husband's telling the kids to tell, the, you know, the mom. You know, let, let, this is what Mary's doing or Martha's doing. She's telling Jesus to tell Mary what to do. Okay. So look, it says, uh, uh, verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. She came to him and asked, Lord. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Look at he's going around or she's going around to tell Jesus to tell her to help her. And and when you look at this, I I love what Jesus' response here. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things. Worried and upset about many things. In other translations, it says you're anxious. She's anxious. And the thing is, is, is I could be up here right now and be anxious. You can't recognize my anxious on the inside, right? There's certain times where anxiety attacks and different things, but you can't recognize when I'm anxious, and I sure can't recognize when you're anxious. But so what Jesus was doing is he was actually reading her mail. He was going inside and saying, your soul is not healthy. Your soul is not okay. And he was making that statement of the inside. 
Not of what she was doing on the outside because what she was doing was she was trying to go around and trying to take care of everything, trying to run around and trying to make all the preparations. And here's Mary. And listen to what Mary says, or what, what he says. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. He's saying, get rid of all that other stuff. Get rid of all the fluff. Get rid of the preparations that you're trying to make me an elaborate dinner. And let's just sit here and be friends. That's what he's saying. And he says, but few things are needed or, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will be not be taken away from her. Friends, I don't think it's coincidental that Jesus was in a home and he addresses a woman that is so busy and he says, you need to be more like the person that is sitting at my feet, that is not being, doing, hearing, going, running around. It's just sitting and listening, sitting and listening. And I don't think it's coincidental that they're in a home. And he's saying, when you're at home, you're in the living room with Jesus. Jesus is saying the one essential thing to life is if to say you're at home when you're near your creator when you're leaning into his love, not earning, doing, going here or there, rather just listening and being with Jesus. So I'd ask you, who are you today? Are you like Mary? Or are you like Martha? That's convicting for me because it's so easy to run around and do all this other stuff. And then my soul is what's actually craving, is actually what I need is to be more like Mary. So if you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes?